Welcome to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman from Waco, Texas. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith from New York City. Each week we get together to talk about the readings for the upcoming Sunday. We hope to help both the sermon prepping pastor as well as everybody, since we all need to find that thread of grace, the gospel, throughout the scriptures. So dust off your Bible. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Same Old Song podcast, the lectionary podcast brought to you by the good folks at Mockingbird Ministries. Each week, Jacob Smith and I take a look at the upcoming lectionary readings for this Sunday so that maybe it can help the uh, wayward preacher or the wayward layperson, anybody who's interested in what's coming up in the readings this Sunday. Absolutely. Jake, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. And it's um, the fourth Sunday of Advent coming up, so we're all excited for Christmas, but not yet. Excited. Yeah, excited, also <laughs> anxious. Uh, yeah. It's it's like uh, do or die time in terms of gift buying and uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I probably by this moment have not thought of Christmas yet at all. And so, um, but... Um, <laughs> what do you have for uh, me, Dwayne Reed slash CVS? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mel, I thought you'd like this perfume <laughs> from Walgreens. <laughs> Charlie, is that still popular? <laughs> Dracar Noir. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. But <laughs> So, but today we have uh, some great readings for preachers and for... Um, Bible enthusiasts, and um, our opening reading is from the Old Testament. And uh, one of the the things about these three readings is that they seem to, the common theme is how God actually works. And uh, he always works in unexpected ways. He works through um, ways that we naturally on our own would not look at because we're so busy being good for goodness sake. And so we approach this passage from Micah, and we see God working and telling Israel in, uh, that he's going to work in a very unusual way. Yeah, and so there's a little bit of Bible translation, or at least uh, interpretation you have to do to help your folks get what's going on here, because they're going to hear in the first verse of Micah 5, uh, the reading, verse 2, O you Bethlehem of Ephrathah, and they're going to go into that Bible-induced coma. And so I think for the preacher to talk about that, this is like beginning a passage saying, oh, you mule shoe Texas, or oh, mm. you, uh, I don't know, what would be equivalent up there? The end of Long yeah. Island or something? You, oh, you fish skill New York. Yeah, you know? that's it's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, and so this is, this is the, the, um, the, the runt of the litter, basically. Uh, and, you know, to your point about where does God work in life, uh, he works in the places we don't think he would ever work. You know, the, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Capon always talks about how any self-respecting religion or self-respecting God would never do the things that the God of the Bible does. But here, uh, so when God is choosing to save the world, uh, he's going to pick somebody from the Cleveland Browns, uh, mm. not uh, the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a mm. sports guy as much uh uh, Jake, so um, back me up here. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm about as pathetic as sports as you probably Sorry, are. Sorry, Cleveland. So, but, uh, 
Yeah, but uh, no, but absolutely right. Out of out of the place you wouldn't want to look, and um, out of the weak place, and and this is really important. I think, you know, one of the the one of the big kind of secular themes that we often see talking um, when people talk about God is that he's he's absolutely everywhere, and while that that is true, um, when the Bible hones in on the, hones in on places like this, you O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, you O fish like when God speaks about a specific place like this, it's always the runt because indeed he is everywhere, but he's also somewhere very specific. And uh, this word of the gospel always comes to uh, the runt area of your life, you know, the place where you're struggling, uh, the place, and that's because so much of the ordinary places, because that's so much of where our lives are actually lived. And uh, you see from this ordinary place, uh, God brings a word, uh, one who will rule Israel, whose origins is from old, from ancient of days, meaning basically before time. This is, a, this is a messianic figure that is being articulated here by the prophet Micah. Right. And, and, it's, uh, and it's not a new thing in a sense that like God that's has. That's right. I mean, it is new, but in a sense, God has always worked this way. You know, yeah. he all, like, you know, Moses is a murderer in exile who's married to Jethro's daughter. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, uh, basically, you know, Samson is a womanizer, uh, yeah. rule breaker. Ruth is a Moabitess. I mean, just on and on, the Lord always seems to work through the least and the, 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 the Cletus, the yeah. slack-jawed yokel. Absolutely. And and in him working through the Cletuses, um, he has always had actually one plan, and that is Jesus Christ. And uh, this is the one who has come from ancient of days. And uh, this Jesus is the one who stands and feeds his flock in, in uh, the strength in his majesty, um, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord our God. And, uh, you know, and he feeds us in very specific ways, you know, and he feeds us with that gospel, the good news that um, uh, in weakness and in foolishness of the cross, uh, he's laid his life down for you. Yeah, well, I think that's a great transition then to the Hebrews 10 reading, uh, mm. which is a very cross-centered reading. Um, where, what would you kind of pick up to hit on here, Jake? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think when people think about Hebrews, oftentimes their their um, their first reaction, if they're familiar with the book of Hebrews, really goes to the to the hall of heroes and, and faith, and you know, and that's where we get all the be like sermons typically. But uh, actually, Hebrews ten, um, in beginning, especially here in this fifth verse, is really the crescendo. It is the climax of the book of Hebrews, because here is the author of Hebrews telling these people uh, the meaning of Christ's work, um, uh, the meaning. Of of Jesus's active obedience for you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, we 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 always say, what was that pop in the hit in the '80s? I need a hero. I need yeah. a hero uh, in the dead of the night. A man who is strong. A man who is tough. A man like Jake who will be there in the fight. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we always do that with the Bible. Kind of show us heroes that we need to be like, which is kind of Hebrews 12 a little bit. Although those heroes are all suckers that just get beat up um interestingly That's enough right. but but so coming to this I, here yeah go ahead oh no well i mean i just think that uh you know this is the climax because here you know there's been this whole articulate and now you see you're beginning to see jesus's priest um uh and temple and uh it's all fulfilled in his sacrifice on the cross 
you know, um, burn offerings, you've taken no pleasure. And then I said, see, God, I have come to do your will. And, um, and uh, you know, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. You know, it's interesting. We were talking a little bit about this, like the author of Hebrews puts this in Jesus's mouth, you know, when yeah. he said above. Because Jesus and, never um, actually said this. He never said this, but maybe he did. Well, he inspired uh, he it in did. the eternal, the, the logos, uh, the eternal word of God did. But yeah, because it, it says when Christ exactly. came to the world, he said, sacrifices are, well, no, Jesus never said that in Galilee or Jerusalem, yeah. but mm -hmm. he said it through the uh, scriptures in the past. That's right. And, and making, once again, highlighting the point that you could tie into Micah here, that Jesus was never plan B. Right. Uh, he and his sacrifice have always been plan A since the beginning. And, uh, you know, and really in his ultimate sacrifice, he, um, what the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they pointed to him. In actuality, Jesus' sacrifice gives validity to the Old Testament right. sacrifices. Right. This is what he means when he says he abolishes the first in order to establish the second. Right. Verse and it nine. is by God's will, yeah, that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And we talk a lot about theologically in mockingbird circles about being justified before God. But for, um, and you know, Jesus dying for you does justify you before God. However, it's Jesus's life uh, that um, perfectly lived as a sacrifice for us um, is in which that is also given to us by which God declares us as righteous. And so we're not only justified, but we're righteous before God's eyes because of his offering of the body once and for all. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And, and this is hard because it's so theological, um, maybe to tease out some of this stuff. But um, if you can help folks understand in your preaching um, that this word, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, verse 10, that that means the opposite of what you think Christianity is, which is Jesus forgives me, wipes the slate clean, and then I have to get my act together. That's right. And But with this, this uses past tense, past perfect. You have been sanctified, which means you have been made holy. You have been made righteous. And it doesn't say because you've been so great and you've been reading the Bible more and I really appreciate how you've upped your tithe. It's no, you've been made, you've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Absolutely. It's not about being good for goodness sake, as people are singing this time of year. Uh, what this is actually about is, is that because of Jesus um, and his perfect work, is, it is as if you have been perfectly obedient to the law forever. Yeah. And uh, that is like, that is a real relief. Oh my gosh, as if I have, because of Jesus, it is as if I have loved my family perfectly forever. It is as if I have done everything, per and then maybe you might be free to, um, to, to be good. Yeah, and I think just for for goodness sake. Yeah, and that, <laughs> I think that's a great point because at this time of year, you're going to have people in your congregation that are sort of uh, hitting peak pre-Christmas sinfulness. Mm. Uh, the mm. anxiety will be through the roof. Uh, the coveting will be through the roof, you know, all the things your children want that uh, they don't really need and that you want that you don't need. Um, uh, just all, all the depression, the anxiety, all the stuff will be rough. Uh, right. And so many people are beginning to look towards the new year already as a turning over a new leaf, which is another, like, let me, let me try again on my own strength to get it done and make God happy and make other people happy. But this Hebrews passage is really freeing and wonderful. And then it says, don't even start. Don't even try. Sacrifices and offerings 
God doesn't want, and they don't bring him any pleasure. So um, turn instead to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross uh, and Mm. not to your own uh, efforts again. Amen. That I mean, that is good news. And then that brings us to uh, the real wonderful gospel here um, in Luke chapter one, um, where you have uh, Mary, um, a young virgin mother pregnant, visiting her cousin Elizabeth, who is super old and is also pregnant. And um, and uh, once again, we are uh, we're being uh, we're being told here how God actually works. Um, And he works through the most unusual way. And this is kind of a I think, you know, one of the things that's happening here is that you have Elizabeth, who cannot have a baby, is having a baby, and being brought before Mary, who cannot have a baby, who is having a baby. God working his plan out through uh, foolish things. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it, it might be helpful if you're going to preach on this passage to get your folks, I mean, I, I think I would do a little imaginative work with them. You know, imagine an old lady pregnant. I mean, mm. think of that lady you saw in the line at CVS or whatever, yeah. uh, getting, getting, um, I don't know, some, some mobility device, uh, buying a new walker mm. and, and she's got this huge pregnant swollen belly. I mean, I think that's, and it's an impossible, crazy, uh, interesting, it's a Flannery O'Connor type image. It's just a weird image. And yet it's, <clears throat> it's true. This is where God works. And I, so it, it, the impossible, the, the little, the least, the locked, the lost, the failure areas in your life, the weak areas in your life, whether, so the Bethlehem, um, of Ephrathah we have at the beginning, um, then in Hebrews sort of, uh, um, that Jesus is a sacrifice who, works in us, not we who do the work. And then here you have these two impossible situations where God is working. And Mary in the Magnificat, which probably you will either recite or sing if you're in an Episcopal church uh, this Sunday, um, you, uh, um, you hear Mary describe all this. She, she preaches to yeah. us. She says that the Lord um, has um, scattered the proud, and in the old translation, in the imaginations of their hearts, he mm. brings down the powerful and he lifts up the lowly. And she says in verse 48 uh, of Luke 1, he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. So he's not chosen mm. her because she's great, because she mm. was the president of the youth group or whatever. He's chosen her because of her loneliness. Yeah, I think um, it's, uh, you know, in our in, in, in the Episcopal Church, you know, typically the Magnificat, especially when it's sung in an even song setting, is just so majestic mm. and powerful that sometimes the I think the the power of its weakness is oftentimes lost. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the strength and I think this is an important thing for people to remember during the holiday season is that the strength of God's arm is always hidden Mm. under weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hid um, in in an old pregnant woman. It's hidden in a virgin mother. You know, it's going to be demonstrated in a manger. Um, it's demonstrated most acutely and clearly on a cross. And uh, yet when he appears most weak and low, um, uh, that is when he is most savior to you. And uh, that is the thing to like hammer home is that the strength of his arm is demonstrated in his weakness and in his foolishness where he is your savior. Um, Jake, are you going to talk about um, Zechariah, Elizabeth's uh, husband in this passage and how after she showed up pregnant in their town, how he went to brag to his friends at his local coffee and donut old guy club? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but that's great. I'd love to. I'd love to read that. I haven't found that part in my Bible, but well, uh, um, it's uh, it's in the Apocrypha. But it's sort of amazing. I only it, preach the lectionary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but can you imagine Zechariah? Hey guys. Yeah, I've still I mean, got it. I can't imagine. Um, do you remember? Um, there was a great comedian named Sam Kennison mm. who has a whole. Can we talk? A, can we have a whole episode about Sam Kennison? Go ahead. We should. Please. But uh, uh, Sam Kennison has a whole comedic series about what must have been going through Joseph's mind. Oh yeah. When uh, Mary came home, and you know, and you know, because he's a carpenter, a construction worker, and you know, he'd be like, "Mary, I mean, I know, I get it, but you don't know what I'm going through at work." <laughs> <laughs> the guys are saying, "Son of." God, yeah. And then he's <laughs> Sam Keniston said he could picture Joseph throwing the ball with Jesus, you know, all of his construction crap out in the yard, and he's throwing the ball with Jesus, and he's like thinking in his head, he's like, you better be the only son of God. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know Sam Keniston was a Pentecostal preacher? Yes, man. I love the guy. He's so funny. And when he died, so we have to take a little discursus on this one. He was injured in a uh, car wreck outside of Vegas. Yeah. And as he was dying, mm -hmm. his friend was holding him in his arms. And uh, Sam Kinison was like uh, laying there dying on the asphalt. And he looked up to heaven and kind of got this faraway look and said, okay, okay, okay. And then he died. Amazing. Yeah. So I, that has nothing to do with anything, but maybe it's no, everything. I, I think it does. And I think that is uh, what it does is you can wrap this up in your sermon. Yeah. But in, in, in the total... A weakness of God. Uh, there, as we die, we can finally say it's okay. Oh, it's beautiful, Jake. We'll see you next week, Aaron. All right. Or actually, God bless. actually, st wait, wait, wait. Stay tuned because we have a special Christmas edition on how to preach on Christmas. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, everybody needs to, in preparation for next week, watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and uh, we'll see you back next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away and yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful Either in your preaching or just in your life If you like what you heard, we would love it If you could leave a rating or review on iTunes Dave's all will be sad if you don't we like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.